Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safely. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> now, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. Talking Tesla 120 is on the air. I am here in studio with one Robert Double R Ozenbloom, uh, as his Twitter uh, file goes. Yes. And it's been a pretty busy week on Twitter due to my Model 3 issues. So last week, we started the podcast of the year of by the year. calling it the year of the Model 3, which for me lasted less than 24 hours. That's uh, that's a short year. It is. So yeah. if you haven't been following us on Twitter, you uh, should. you're probably better off not. But Robert thinks you should. Well, I don't know. If, if you're listening to this podcast yeah. and you obviously have an interest in Tesla or true. just listening to two guys mm-hmm. make total fools of themselves. <laughs> oh, we're good at that. But if you have an interest in Tesla, then you should definitely be connected to the at talking Tesla and at R-R-O-S-E-N-B-L Twitter feeds. Yeah. Because I was out there like instantaneously with the Tesla production numbers. You were. You know? You're Before, on the, the man on the spot. I was actually at Gelson's. Mm-hmm. I was just about to get a coffee mm-hmm. at the Pete's uh, dispensary there at Gelson's. Lovely. Yeah. And I put in my order. The text came through from Tesla that they were putting out their delivery numbers. And I got my coffee. I paid mm-hmm. in cash because they couldn't take credit cards, whatever. And, but I grabbed the pen. Mm-hmm. I said, I have to have your pen. And I grabbed a napkin and I'm writing it down and I'm tweeting it out. Wow. Boom. It took a while for the rest of the Tesla sphere to catch you up. You are a news breaker, Robert. Sometimes, if, as long as I'm not sleeping. Sometimes me and you break the news together, which just means we've broken the news because we've given bad information, but not this week. So anyways, to go back to it, I purchased my Model 3. I picked up my Model 3 Thursday yeah. night. You <laughs> and your lovely wife joined me at the delivery center yeah. where we spent an hour and a half just grilling our delivery specialist about all sorts of things as it pertained to this vehicle. I asked him as I was leaving, I recorded for an hour and a half, Robert, the whole thing, all of our questions, all of his answers. And I asked him at the end, I said, hey, I don't want to get you fired. Make sure that you are allowed to have your voice on the show. Uh, He is not. I got an email back from him. His bosses have said, eh. No bueno. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to listen to that hour and a half of audio. And if I see anything interesting in there, I'm going to play both parts. You're going to. Yeah, I was going to say, just get somebody to do the Donald Duck voice for him. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. We could do Charlie Brown's teacher and then it won't matter what he said. Yeah, I got the sense that he was sort of a newbie. Yeah. 
He was a good guy, though. No, I mean, he knew. He was very knowledgeable of the car. All the Tesla people are very nice. We've, we met like three, at least three people yeah. there. These guys came over from service and yeah, yeah. looked at the center console. And... Right. So we're sitting in the car. Actually, your wife and my wife got in the car first. Yes. We were outside yammering away. And uh, your wife noticed the scratches on the center console. So that is uh, Tesla Model 3 build issue number Uno of Trey. Okay, so we're one of three. One of three was some scratches, and they came over, and the service guy looked at it. He deemed it unacceptable. He said it was probably caused in the prep process where they uh, had something on one of their towels. Right, and they used and microfiber wiped, towels. Microfiber yeah. and wiped it. And so there were some swirl marks and some scratch marks, vertical, up and down. Can, I, can yeah. I just say that yeah. this is an issue that I recognized very early on, and others as well. And the guys who do the wrapping of cars, yeah. which is a big involved process, yeah. right? You know, you can wrap the entire car, but they don't have the templates for that center console. But I know that the guys that I use to wrap my car are creating the templates for that center console. Nice. Because you can't get it in anything but that lacquer finish. Yeah. And that lacquer finish looks muy delicate. Yeah, it's a terrible choice of finish. So uh, all you Model 3 owners out there know that... Check your central console for scratches. But the interesting thing is, in the one day that I had it, it's not as apparent outside in the sun. Right, without the delivery lights. But you have those spotty delivery lights on them, and you have the interior lights. When you hit it with kind of a hard light source, then they really show up. So make sure that you bring a flashlight or something with you if you're picking up your car, and that delivery center maybe has, maybe they're doing deliveries outside. It's hard to know. I mean, there's delivery centers all over the country will be coming up. They can't all be the same. So look for the scratches on the center console. The other thing we noticed were some minor things about fit and finish, like the charge port wasn't quite as flush as we would like. So that wasn't one of the service issues, but it was, you know, one of the minor things that kind of came up. So the next morning I had taken the car to work. I had put a car cover on it. Actually, in the morning I woke up, I took the car cover off. And as I was doing it, I was down by the front passenger wheel and I noticed a pretty good dent Oof. in the right quarter panel. What I've realized since then is I didn't take a picture of it, which is weird, hmm. but I went right over to the Tesla service Wait, center. You are a photographer. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it. I said it was weird. I didn't take a picture. I went to the service center first thing in the morning. I got in line and they looked at it. And as I was waiting in line behind six other S's to get their regular service or whatever service there were, I noticed that the A-pillar, the Alicantra liner to the A-pillar mm -hmm. on my driver's side was very puffed out. So there's a black frame around the front windshield of the Model 3 and probably the Model S or all, all these cars. And I had a straight line black frame and then it disappeared because... The Alicantra A-pillar cover was puffed out. It wasn't like either they didn't glue it properly or it had just warped in driving, you know, in transportation, something happened. And so as I – as the guy, the service coordinator came over to my car, I pointed to it and I went – I pushed it in and you could push it in a good half inch. I think it's Alcantara. Alcantara, not Alicantra. Sorry. Okay. Alcantara. That's okay. We're just... I apologize. No, we want to be accurate because we'll get uh, letters about that sort of thing. And so, we're, we're environmentalists, so we want to save the paper. Right, right, right. So yeah. it's Alcantara. 
and he looked at it and he compared it to the one on the other side. And there right. clearly there was an issue with it. So he wrote it down on his little paper okay. and he said we'd fix the thing. And, and I couldn't leave. I didn't want to leave my car in the morning because people at my work were interested in taking a peek at it. So he's like, we close at five. You can just bring it back before then. So I took it to work okay. and I had it at work and people loved it. I actually probably sold another one that morning to one of my coworkers who really was very, very impressed by it. And so... That was number... That's the third, really. There were some body panel things, but I'm not overly concerned about that type of stuff, right? We we adjusted your hood. We adjusted the hood. Well, we'll I'll get the charge port adjusted. It's minor. So what we did is we went all over the car feeling around the... Uh, the places where body panels and trunk and hood met. Which is ridiculous. Nobody is going to do this and nobody should do this. You don't do this with any other car. And I guarantee you, if you did, you would find some minor things. But everybody's just so hyper, hyper, hyper. What can we find wrong? And it's weird that even we're doing it. But what the hell? We got this show. We want to report on everything, you know, good or bad. We're here so for we, you. We realize that these things are not that big of a deal in this particular case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we just wanted to let you know, you know, we noticed some things. There are these little adjusters inside the frunk right. that you can kind of fix those. And we So they're on the, the outside corners of the frunk hood. Mm-hmm. And you can just screw these little plastic inserts one way or the other to adjust your hood. So if somebody comes up to your car and just fidgets and screws with these things, literally, your hood might be all of a sudden sticking up a bunch or really sunken. And so you can fix that on your own. That's easy. Yeah, that's an easy fix. And actually very cool little uh, piece of design by Tesla to make that adjustable. Yeah, they just, I think it needs like a little bit of silicone to hold it in place. Yeah, my guess is it vibrates a little bit if it's open, but you would never drive. My guess is it doesn't rattle when it's closed, Right. but it would have a potential as over time, if you used your frunk a lot, they would move a you know eighteenth of an inch you know a couple of few times and you could get a little bit out of alignment but they're there you can fix them take a look at them right so anyways they took my car I got a text from them saying that uh, on Monday that would be the what day is it today today is seven today is the seventh so on the eighth which is tomorrow so they I left my car they gave me a Model S uh, loaner a black yeah seventy five. And I left my car with them, and they're going to take it to a coachworks place locally right. to have them fix the dent. And what they told me, I said, are you replacing the quarter panel, the whole front panel? And they told me no. What they would do is like bondoless fixing or whatever mm-hmm. is is sort of the, the words that, that she used. And so – Here's the exact test. Repairs are still in progress. We will be sending your vehicle onto the Avio Coachcraft on 118 to repair the dent on the front right quarter panel. Once it returns, we will resume repairs on your vehicle. Thank you for your patience and understanding. That place is amazing. Which I don't have patience and understanding. I've been there twice to Avio Coachcraft. Okay. And the cars they have there, they have like, you know— Amazing Ferraris and Lamborghinis and these unbelievable cars that have been just smashed to hell. (laughs) And you look at them and it's like it pulls on your heartstrings to see the damage done. But at the same time, you get to see like the engineering and the design and the parts behind. And they were really nice. They just I had like somebody rear end me. I've mentioned that only five times thousand times on the show Uh and the guy looked at it and he was like oh well he put a little paint on there here let's grab a little rubbing compound and he did it very softly and boom almost all of it was gone nice didn't charge me 
Very nice. Got to love that. So what they told me was they were going to go in behind that quarter panel, take the interior trim off, and kind of just push it out. So we'll keep you informed about what's going on with that, how long it takes. Probably the soonest update, if I get it back in less than a week, will be via the Twitter. So again, if you're watching on the Twitter, then you'll kind of see it. More reasons for people to follow us. But I wanted to go over my sort of first impressions that evening. So after I took delivery of it, I decided I live in the San Fernando Valley. And the delivery center is in Marina del Rey, which is very close to Pacific Coast Highway, Santa Monica. My house. Area, Robert's house, for sure. So I decided to take the Pacific Coast Highway to Topanga Canyon because I felt like that would be a good kind of way to break it in and get a feel for kind of how it handled. I had never really – I've driven my wife's S in Topanga Canyon But it's been a while. Again, I'm kind of like not a Tesla owner in a lot of ways I've learned in the last week because I drive the Tesla so rarely, right? Maybe an hour every couple of weekends. So it's hard to get a kind of a feel for it. Right. Um, So I'm sort of like a total newbie. So when I got in the Model 3— And it's it's very different than the RAV4, which was— Tesla power. Yeah. And I've been driving a gigantic ice truck for the last four or five months as I waited for my mo- <laughs> for my Model 3. And it's a V8 and it's powerful, but it's sluggish. It takes a while for it to get going. Whatever, Robert. Yeah. Once you just dig it in. Anyway, so I. It's I, all over, man. It's all behind you. It's all behind me now. So <sighs> I drove. Breathing fresh. So I just. <sighs> I took uh, the car to Pacific Coast Highway and I was, you know, I opened it up a little bit and it really handles very, it's much more sporty. Be careful, Tom. I, I warned you already about I this. Know, I know. You're going to take my reputation away no, from no, no, me. No, 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 no. It's much sportier than the Model S. And I know that okay. now because I got out of the Model 3 yes. at the service center and right into a Model S. So I have this. Now I feel like I'm getting a little bit more experience with both vehicles. I've been driving the Model S for a couple of days now. You I are drove it. An aficionado. No, 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 no. But again, I'm just I'm trying to give the sort of experience of of a new Tesla owner, which yes. is kind of what I am. I mean, I have some experience, but the Model 3 is so very different than the Model S in terms of even how the touchscreen works. I found myself driving down the street, even after having gone through an hour and a half delivery process, really not knowing where a lot of the controls are in the car. Yes. You know, like autopilot's not on because it's calibrating the cameras and all that other stuff. So anyways, I got to Pacific Coast Highway, got to Topanga Canyon, Drove it through Topanga Canyon and was hitting turns at, like, the maximum speed that you can hit those turns at, like, 35 miles an hour. And what I did notice is it is, like, glued to the ground, that car. Very impressive. The steering wheel is a little bit smaller than in the Model S, so if you're holding it at the proper location, you really do get a nice range of motion without having you know, to to stress on your arms and legs and hands and stuff like that to turn the wheel and control it. And there were times where I'd be making a hard right turn and the turn, you know, I don't know, to, it's been a while and it was nighttime and I don't know Topanga Canyon that well, but this turns would continue to turn into more like hairpin turns. So midway through the turn, you'd be like, oh crap, I got to keep going. And the car very much, very nimble and accepting all of that. Not too much body roll. Very, very nice. Very, I highly recommend. So you're a, happy. A curvy Canyon Road. Yeah, very, very happy with the way that the car drives, for sure. Like, very, very happy with that aspect of it. So Tom's arrived. He's arrived. He's now a Tesla man. 
through and through. <laughs> None of this partial Tesla man. Yeah. No, you are no, no, no longer the, warrior. Bo- yeah, the borrowed Tesla man. Yeah. You are the Tesla man, but you are not necessarily the Tesla fan, given the fact that you've had the car for an entire 32 hours. Well, I actually didn't even have the car for 32 hours. So we picked it up on Thursday at around 839 is when I finally got out of the service center or the delivery center. I got home and I had it less than 24 hours before I brought it back to Tesla for a repair. Oh, gosh. And it dropped does. it off. And now I'm in a black Model S. That does hurt. Although the black Model S is a pretty sweet car. Yeah, it's cool. Except it doesn't have autopilot. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so we're seeing what it looks like to have a car without autopilot. To me, it felt anemic. Like, I was like, wait a minute. In fact, I went on a ride with with uh, yeah. Tom just so that I could see and believe that you could have a car that you couldn't double-click down on the, <laughs> on the autopilot stock, and it does yeah. nothing. doesn't work. It just yeah, has, there's no it just autopilot in the loaner. adaptive cruise control. That's yeah, it. Exactly. Sad face. It's okay. It's okay. So I have that. I'll let you know how it goes. I'll be driving the Black S until such time that Tesla gets my Model 3 back to me. Hopefully they have those parts quicker and I don't have to wait for the Alcantara A-pillar liner to show up or the center console pieces. You know, again, like they have to hopefully have some spare parts somewhere. This all made me think of that Boots and Booze Instagram page when I walked around (laughs) the entire delivery area and put my hands on probably seven cars Uh and felt varying degrees of body panel mismatching, hood mismatching, charge port mismatching. And, you know, the reality is Mm -hmm. uh, I think most people who want an electric car want an electric car because it gets them out of an ice car. Yeah. It will save you significant money. In fact, we're going to talk about uh, the cannonball run from California to New yeah. York, in which he saved a ton of money. In a Model 3. Right. It's going to totally save you on maintenance. It's just these hassles, and they're working on getting the car out there. And I don't know how much of the production is fully automated versus human sort of like have these little workaround sections where they can't get the robots to do it. Right. You have you hear varying sort of anecdotal information about that, whether like these ones are being hand built basically from the ground up. I don't think that's the extent of it because I don't think they even have the ability to hand weld the body panels and no, all that other so. stuff together. So if uh, things are being welded, then they're being welded by machines, basically. So that that's my first impression. My first impression is I love the car. It's amazing. The white paint is beautiful. The sport wheels are amazing. The frunk is big enough to hold my car cover, uh, which I got for it. I really love driving around with the glass roof. It definitely changes yeah. things. And I will tell you, it is peppier initially than my Model S that cool. my wife has because my Model S is a 60 kilowatt hour battery. And it's so it has, before some of the updates, it's not a dual drive. Right. It's a 2013. Right. Well, the Model 3 isn't a dual drive True. either, but it's got a very peppy motor. So it's got uh, quite a bit of pickup. I didn't get a chance to race her in it. Uh, my guess is she would win because she's a little more fearless than I am. Mm. Uh, but, but so that's it. I wanted to... Throw that out there. Let you guys know what's going on with the Model 3. Uh, Mel has had his, hasn't had any major problems or any issues really with his. 
and he's been driving it a lot. You're seeing that stuff on YouTube. So keep the faith. The cars are coming. They're ramping up production. The thing is coming. But we're going to continue to be honest about it, and we're going to continue to talk about it in the long term. Hopefully, uh, at some point, me and Mel will get to drive a hundred miles with the same exact level of charge and get a feel for what does the 18 inch wheels versus the 19 inch wheels in the same sort of conditions, what that gets you in terms of battery remaining, how much watt hour per mileage. Yeah, per we, mile. need to, we need to go on a, on a road trip. What do you average watt hour per mile? Do you know, do you have like a I'm, feel for it? It depends, of course. Yeah. But I would say probably in the 350, 330 range. Yeah. So I'm getting about 330 as I drive the S. Yeah. And I was getting under three the night I drove the three home. And doing uh, vroom, vroom in Topanga Yeah. I mean, I wasn't doing launches. I definitely wasn't doing launches. And I wasn't driving 65 through Topanga Canyon because it's nighttime. I'm not crazy. Yeah, but it's uphill. Yeah, it's uphill. That takes a lot of energy. So I believe the average was under 300 uh, for that. 20 mile ride home. Well, do you mind if I add in my two beefs? Actually, sure, my, two, go ahead. my two points. Please. One, I'm driving here to the studio today, Sunday. We're recording early. And we looked at the car, was it Thursday night? Correct. And uh, yesterday and today, I'm driving in my elbow. My right elbow is just bugging the crap out of me as I'm sitting in the car, arm on the armrest. And then I looked in the mirror today. I even took a picture. I scraped a bunch of skin off of my elbow. I see that. I can't see it. So what happened was that evening we were sitting in the the delivery center. You were in the back seat of a red Model 3. I had laid down the passenger rear seat. I sent a picture of that out. And was laying flat, which I'm uh, about six feet tall exactly, and was comfortably laying flat. And we'll talk about it in a little while, but the Cannonball Runners had a twin mattress back there, the same as they put in the Model S, and it fit very nicely. So you could theoretically camp Mm -hmm. and sleep in the Mm -hmm. back seat of your Model 3 on long cross-country road trips, like wait an hour or half hour for supercharging, catch a few winks, and move along your business, which is great, cool, really very cool. But Robert was in the rear driver's seat, driver's side seat, and had the center console down, and there are two metal hinges, which is what he's talking about, and he got a little bit of an injury uh, from those metal hinges because yeah. they're not rubber coated. There's no, no nothing sharp protecting edged. them. And this was not something I wasn't doing any acrobatics. Yeah, I wasn't trying to do anything. Uh, no, anything unusual. I was just sitting in that seat with my arm there, mm-hmm. and I scraped it and didn't realize it till later. And that yeah. hurts like poo poo. Yeah, not good. So that needs to get addressed in some cases. But you could probably take a little bit of that. Like rubber in a can, yeah. and maybe just paint over the edge. That's the exactly rough what I want to do for fifty six thousand dollars. <laughs> no, you don't want to. You don't want to do that. But I no, that's a, a hey Tesla. I think you need to look at that because some yeah. kid is going to you know get hurt True. on that. Yeah, that's a design issue, and and people are going to be excited about that thing because what it means is that there are cup holders in the back seat, that's right. which don't exist in the S, and maybe that's why they don't exist in the S because they couldn't figure out how to make those. Hinges not so sharp. I like that there were adjustable front seat seat belts. So at the top in the in the B pillar, you can adjust the seat belts now. You can't do that in the S or the X. Or I'm not sure about the X because I don't drive one. But in the S, you definitely can never have adjusted the height of the seat belts. You can in the three. That's great. And there was one other thing that I really liked about it. I was comfortable in the back seat. Right. You're I like sat six, in the front. Four? Yeah. I sat in the front. I adjusted it for myself, made it comfy, got in the back seat. And I couldn't quite bring my knees together. 
but I didn't have to sit like I was delivering, uh, like a woman <laughs> delivering the front seat. And that was impressive. I had the door closed. I was sitting in the back seat. I could definitely sit there for a while, you know, a couple hours between superchargers, and yeah. I would be happy. Plenty of room back there for me and you. And I'm a pretty big guy, six feet, 215. You're six, four, considerably less than that because uh, you're a slim gentleman. About 200. But plenty of room back there yeah. for both of us easily. I don't know what a third person would have brought to the to the picnic back there. Yeah, I don't there. know about five people in the car. Yeah. You can get five in my, my Model S. <laughs> they're not super comfortable. They're not really comfortable, but okay. they're not uncomfortable. Right. But not in the three, I don't think. Hey, did you get the Easter egg? Did you find the Easter egg in your few short hours in your Model 3? No. So there's evidently an Easter egg. I haven't gotten into Mel's and hijacked his, where if you hold down on the T in the center of the 15-inch screen, mm-hmm. the a picture comes up that shows the Model 3, and it shows the team who helped design the Model 3 with Elon and That's Franz the design the team, not the factory, not a picture of like the current factory line workers. No, I think it's a picture inside the Hawthorne uh, design, design center. center. Okay, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, and they've got a silver Model 3. So it's a little hidden hidden charm. There's a, a cowbell Easter egg on the Model 3, which I'm assuming is also on the Model S. Yes. The Santa Claus is not on the Model 3. The Mars is. Are you sure? Because there's a reindeer symbol when you pull down on the T. I didn't see it. Yeah, I'm sure it's there. In the 3. Ho, ho, ho. But I saw it in the S. And there's a second one where you say, this is holding down the voice activation. You say, ho, ho, ho. Yeah. And you see reindeer come up and there's jingling when you turn signal. And, and the, if you say, ho, 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 not funny, <laughs> you get an alternate song about yeah. how grandma was accosted by reindeer. And it's a pretty funny song. In the new S, there's snow that comes down. I, in my wife's S, I don't see the snow. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but... Muy interesante. Interesting. So let's talk about climate change for just a quick minute. Yeah. Uh, I want to start show off most weeks with a little something to yeah. kind of put us into perspective. Why the heck we're here? And this story is a Last little bit... Last week it was about shrimp, which I enjoy. This yeah. week... I thought we went on way too long about chocolate. shrimp personally. So let's try to do this quickly. Yes, the, it's about it, this, To me, this story that you put in here is actually not about chocolate, but I that's know. cool. Uh, they talk about chocolate in the extent of that, you know, with climate change, chocolate can only live in a very certain amount of degrees from the center of the earth, also known as the equator. Um, <laughs> and they think with climate change, that's going to potentially affect chocolate. And really, nobody wants that to it's happen. It's clickbait. You know, if you want to uh, get people to look at your article, yeah. you got to put something in there for them to click. And chocolate is a big I click. guess. So this is from azcentral.com. But the more important, so they're, they're working, the UC Berkeley researchers are working on some new technology called CRISPR, which I'm assuming is an acronym for something. C-R-I-S-P-R. It's how to. Uh, manipulate DNA extremely exactly and inexpensively. Right. So they want to manipulate the DNA of chocolate so they hopefully that they won't have to move the cacao farms to higher elevations, which are currently in forests that are protected. So if where the cacao is living currently and they needed to move to higher elevations, that would 
cause some deforestation and nobody wants that to happen because it's already happening. That would technically make that chocolate a GMO at that particular case. And we'd right. all have to kind of figure out whether or not we wanted this GMO chocolate. But my, uh, I yeah. have faith that somebody is going to figure it out or that we're going to be able to reverse this climate change situation. But for me, the more important part of this article had to do with Yuma, Arizona. Yes. And... The fact that during the winter months, Yuma, Arizona produces most of the green leafy salads for the rest of the country. Yeah, like 30 percent of the salads that come to Southern California come from Arizona. For, to the East Coast as well. Yeah. Right. They're providing a lot of— I'm only of, thinking about myself, Tom. I know. Come on, man. But you can get your lettuces locally at the farmer's market, Robert. Or, or year, my backyard. Year-round or your backyard. Actually, I only have uh, parsley right now, so I'm only part of a salad. Parsley, rosemary, and sage, as it were. Time. By the way, CRISPR stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic repeats. That sounds great. That's really super exciting stuff. I'm sure the people are excited to hear this. I'm just saving you a couple letters. But what I would say about the Arizona article is this. So we're concerned. But the bigger problem with that is the fact that we in the United States have grown accustomed to not really eating seasonally. Yes. Is the bigger problem, right? Historically, if you lived on the East Coast during the winter months, you just didn't have salads. Carrots and potatoes. You spent the, or whatever you canned, like during the the winter months, you you would eat those. And obviously people ate canned goods. The whole historical aspect of being able to have lettuce, you know, 365 days a year, Anywhere in this country is problematic, in my personal opinion, right? So this highlights sort of the insanity of how we live and eat in the United States. And to be clear to all the people out there, I'm very guilty of this as well. Like I will – I try my best to not purchase things that are grown very, very far away. But, you know, sometimes I just do and I should do less of that for sure. (sighs) But now, uh, what I would say is we do not eat seasonally. It's a huge problem. Masses amount of resources go into providing the produce, right? In mm-hmm. the So if you're getting a head of lettuce from Yuma, Arizona, and you happen to live in Massachusetts or you live in Maine or someplace else like that, that's a long way for that lettuce to go. Maybe a percentage of it gets spoiled before it goes there. We throw a lot of food away in this country. This is one of the reasons why. I don't know the answer to it, but this would be, for me— Eat locally, go to a farmer's market, don't have a salad. If you're if there's eight feet of snow outside your window and it's minus seventeen degrees, yeah. Unless you go to a local farmer's market where they're growing things in a greenhouse locally, just uh eat a different vegetable. Yeah. It's hard when you're faced yeah. with, you know, gorgeous looking blueberries and blackberries and, yeah. you know, butter lettuce that you're just salivating for. Right. It's hard to resist. It's hard when you're like, uh, you've been eating you know, beautiful blueberries, local blueberries all summer, and then all of a sudden they're gone and then they show up again and they're from Chile and you're like, oh, I shouldn't be eating these. I know, but, uh, you know, a little sour cream on those blueberries. Wow, <laughs> so good. They are good. All right. Well, I got a question. Okay. Hey, Google, what's Tesla's stock price? As of 7.57 p.m. Eastern Standard Time last Friday, Tesla is trading at $316.75 per share on NASDAQ after hours, up 0.05% from closing. That's a little better. A little bit. Normally, we'd get an up-to-date stock price, but I forgot today is Sunday. Yeah, it's Sunday. We are recording early. But it's more up-to-date than the last time we recorded. 
<laughs> it's newer. So there's lots of news, mm-hmm. or at least discussion and chatter, yeah. about Tesla and Model 3, low delivery numbers, all those concerns. So, so you, you produce those delivery numbers on Twitter, but like for people who aren't on the Twitter, what are the most current delivery numbers that Tesla has given us for the fourth quarter? So Tesla reported for quarter four that they delivered 1,550 Model 3s. Okay. And some of those obviously we were, both, were employees. We said 1,900. Yeah, that's total deliveries. But on the other hand, they had 860 in transit, which doesn't include mine. Or mine. Oh, wait. No, it does include mine. It does include yours because you got it after the first of the year. And it does not include Mel's because right. his was delivered before then. So they said they had a total of 2,425 produced in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter. So that is considerably less than their original guidance. Right, which was up to 5,000 a week, though they did back that off. That was a long time ago. Off. They backed way off of that. And yeah. now they've moved that to June. I know. So we moved that from, like, the end of the first quarter to, like, the end of the second quarter. Right. So this article from uh, Dana Hole at Bloomberg.com. Uh, Dana, I think it's a listener. What makes you believe that? I don't know. She follows me on the Twitter. Mm. And uh, a couple things I believe we've said, I think she's commented about. Nice. Cool. Not positively, though. So in this article, Dana writes that Tesla now has redone their guidance to say they now expect to get to 5,000 Model 3s a week by the end of June. So that's six months Mm -hmm. from now, which is pretty delayed. And it's pretty interesting because I think that the pressure really has come off of Tesla because of what we found from our poll, for example, that a lot of people are delaying to get the least expensive car or to get the dual motor car. See, now I disagree that the pressure is off because, again, even at 57 percent or whatever of that number, there's still 200,000 people kind of waiting. And what we're learning now, we're seeing people on the East Coast start to get their uh, configuration emails. Right. All across the country, in right. fact. Right. So Which is okay. very exciting. So basically, Tesla didn't come close to achieving its initial goal of, of manufacturing 5,000 by the end of 2017. So people, the bears, the people that are sort of down on Tesla are going right. to point this out as a, yet another mispromise, which it is. So like sure. they're, they're valid in that right. point, right? They're valid in that point. The shorters are going to be... Uh, you know, in mass out there saying, look, see what I told you, see what I told you, see what I told you. And there is a there is a long term concern for Tesla and its cash burn mm-hmm. if they don't get these cars delivered and ramped up to 5000 a week. But in the short term, they're still OK. But the bottom hasn't dropped out of the stock. It's remaining in the three teens. Yeah, I mean, the bottom hasn't dropped out of the stock because people are kind of crazy and it's got this amazing brand aspect of it. So I won't, you know, I don't know. Should the stock have paid a price for that? Probably. Yeah. But it just hasn't. Right. So what are you going to do, right? What what really is more telling that the bonds that Tesla previously issued are now uh, have higher yields because they're actually selling for less than they were originally issued for. So that's happening on the secondary market for that last round of bonds, a few percentage points more interest rates, but it's still, it's telling in terms of, you know, the next group of investors might not be so keen to drop a bunch of money on their bonds if this right. continues to happen. And the speculation is they're going to have to probably raise some more capital to give them 
this sort of buffer yeah. to make things more comfortable because we don't really know what's going on. And right. it's another reason why people rag on Tesla mm-hmm. because they're diverting their efforts onto a semi and a pickup truck right, and right, a roadster. Right. Well, and we don't know. How, well, like, I don't think manufacturing efforts are being diverted at this no. point, but to design efforts. So right. that, that's okay. That's another thing. You got to keep those things separated, obviously. But, so Tesla shares dropped a little bit on Thursday after falling as much as 3.6%, which is the biggest in-day drop in about five weeks, according to this Bloomberg article. And the reason that they're having the most problems in most people's opinion, are that they have these really lofty goals for automation, which we kind of touched on at the top of this show, right? That they really want to be able to build these cars automatically with with, with machines. So they're having some difficulty potentially getting that to work. Yes. Right? And so, but once they have it right, it can ramp quickly. Now, for me, this is where I see the most potential problem for Tesla, right? Because let's assume, or not assume, but let's imagine that they just can't possibly get it right the way they want to, right? So they have, you know, these goals of making 5,000 vehicles a week, mostly super automated. Yeah. And at some point, maybe they look at it and they just cannot do it. So you mean like a failure of the alien dreadnought? Yeah, it's possible. I don't Mm -hmm. know that I would call it likely, but it right. is something that that would be for me as a mm-hmm. long-term investor, that would be the thing I would be concerned about. Yeah. If if Tesla gets to a point where they say, look, we cannot make these as automated. So what that does, it may not affect their ability to make 5000 a week, right. but it may require them to add 25% more staff to build them by hand as opposed to automated, you know, like by their plan. So they probably have these long-term projections about what it's going to cost per vehicle based on the cost of robots. But if they have all this additional labor cost, Mm -hmm. then that could affect their ability to make them inexpensively enough to be as profitable as they would like. Okay. Does that, do you you follow that sort of logic or what Mm -hmm. do you think about that? It concerns me. In fact, as you're talking, it's the first time I thought, Hmm. That would be a point at which to sell the stock I've bought. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because he's he's bet the farm on this this alien dreadnought, which occurs, and we've had already evidence of the problems at yeah. Gigafactory, yeah, where they couldn't produce enough cells, and they're you know I I don't think they're anywhere's near their capacity for producing like Elon envisions, where air friction is an issue. <laughs> and the robots are moving so fast, you need a strobe light to yeah, see yeah, yeah. them. But again, I don't know what that means. We don't really we, – we don't have an understanding and we can't possibly have an understanding of what that kind of failure would mean. Does that mean that their margins are only 15 percent instead of 20 percent or 25 percent or whatever they turn out to be on the Model 3 in the long term? Yeah. So – It concerns me mainly because it would change the dynamic of producing cars by Tesla – so dramatically because they don't even have, I think, the room. That factory was, I'm not saying that the way they manufacture cars today versus uh, 20 years ago is that different because if you're doing it the old-fashioned way, that factory had a limit of like a half a million cars Mm -hmm. or maybe 400,000 cars a year. And Elon was looking to put out 500,000 Model 3s plus 100,000 
S's and X's. Uh, you know, I don't know that the factory can do that the old-fashioned way. Plus, they'd have to retool and redo, and the freaking cost of that would be unreal. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we hope in the long run that there's a second factory and a third factory and sure. different places that they're building these. Because, again, you don't want to have all of your building eggs in one basket forever Yeah, like they like they currently do. So, I don't know. Again— this is a good article on Bloomberg. There's a, it brings up a lot of questions. It asks a lot of questions. I think it's really interesting to kind of think about it enough. So let's move on to what I am going to consider a yes. must read yeah. for anyone, anybody. So if you're one of the people listening to this show right now. And if you've read any kind of review of the Model 3. And you've read any review of almost any car ever. Well, I'm going to I'm going to recommend high praise that this is probably the best car review I've ever read. It doesn't hurt that it's fairly positive. I don't it, for me it's not even that it's fairly positive. I think that it's fairly honest. Yeah, no, I think it was a great review. This is called Tesla Model 3, the first serious review. It's in the drive by Alex Roy, who's a car guy. He owns like a, um, I think it's like a, a car sound shop. He lives in New York. He does lots of car reviews and he holds the current record for the cannonball run in an electric vehicle happens to be this Model 3. And so this article is based on the cannonball run that they just completed. It was just over 50 hours. Coast to coast. Coast to coast. He and another fellow who uh, loaned him, actually, I guess they went together with the car. In an actual production non-employee vehicle. That's right. It was just recently delivered and it, he had he had given it a funny name. I can't remember what what the name was, but the bottom line is is this is a really good soup to nuts review of the car. He drove with Daniel Zorilla, who was the uh, fellow who took delivery at the delivery center. This was only like a week and a couple of days ago. And then they went straight through to the East Coast. And there's a lot of points in this article that I could probably spend 30 minutes going over. But I'm going to say we just hit the high points. Okay, go ahead. He said it was a delightful, odd and brilliant car. But he said there was a big caveat, and later and we'll discuss about autopilot. He didn't think there was such a big deal about the build quality. He liked the, the touchscreen. He said uh, the autopilot has gone from seamless to kludge overnight. And <laughs> yeah, this I like is, the word kludge. This is, yeah, this is the sort of transition from Model S and X mm -hmm. with the center binnacle display to exporting most of that uh, information and even some of the controls to the 15-inch center Right, so console. not just the center binnacle display, but the actual stem itself that turns on and off the autopilot has been moved from the left side to the right side, which I will tell you personally... Or, or from the center of your view... Looking through the steering no, wheel. No, I'm talking about the actual stem. Oh, I'm sorry, the stem. The yes. actual physical stem that yeah, you turn on. Yeah, the stem has almost been eliminated almost. Yeah, but it's on the right-hand side of the steering wheel where yes. it was on the left-hand side. And I will say to you as a non-autopilot driver, I don't like it on the left side because it kind of, for me, I'm always confusing it with the turn signal. Yeah, well, but Tesla has a history of flipping. So they've used multiple uh, vendors for their steering column stock mm -hmm. and the... I should say the steering column and the stalks, the, the stems that stick off that you use for turn signal and wiper and such, they've flipped them in the past. So actually my Gen 1 has the cruise control on a stalk that is above the turn signal. 
And the new one that I have, which is Gen 4, has it below the turn signal. So it's a challenge for me just to go from one Model S to the other. Yeah, I would like Franz to sort of talk about the the reasoning behind that. Those are the kind of nuanced things that I right. think would be interesting to hear from a designer's perspective and why those were changed. You Was it UI sort of input from users? No, it was vendor. They switched vendors. They went to like Mercedes for their center stock, or should say for their column system, or Mercedes changed it. And now I think they're probably just making it themselves. Yeah. So it was for design purposes that they simplified it Mm -hmm. from three, actually four stems, Mm -hmm. because there's a very short one on the Gen 4 Model S to adjust the steering wheel. Correct. The next longer one is autopilot and lane assist, and then, or cruise, and then there's turn signal, and then there's the stock for drive and park and right. reverse. So Alex does talk about that. He thinks all of the interface issues with autopilot in yes. the Model 3 are fixable with over-the-air updates. Yeah, and right. he actually gives a list at the end of mm-hmm. the article, which yeah. I thought was really great. Yeah, I thought he's got a couple of quotes in here that I just think are worth repeating. Mm-hmm. Clean design? Question mark. The most Scandinavian car interior of all time is American. It is very simple. I didn't think I was going to enjoy the vent system, and I love it. Yeah. It's very cool. It works really well. I like not having the air kind of blowing right in my eyes if I don't have to have it, and it just really it nice, actually nice gives controlling. you, like, I think, five times more control Infinite. over where the air goes compared to my Model S, because I can adjust the vents but I can only adjust it so much. Right. And I can't mess with the passenger side vents, like shut them off or point them towards me unless I reach over, which is dangerous to do while you're driving. Yeah. And it's just so much more elegant. It's true. There's a great picture in Mm -hmm. the article about, uh, look at all of the superchargers. So when they started taking off and they're still in Los, it looks like they took off from Long Beach, they've shown this sort of um, expanded out view of the superchargers. And now that the superchargers have those uh, little indicators with all the empty and full slots in red, uh, it's really great to see what's the supercharger use look like on a broad scale. He shows a picture of what paid supercharging looks like because they had to pay to drive this Model 3 all the way across the country. I saw that on the S that I'm currently driving as well today when I was at the supercharger in Burbank. It comes up on the bottom. I'm not being charged for it because it is a, a lease. Yes. But I, it's got a little white box at the bottom that says paid supercharging, and it shows you where you are and gives you – It would, my guess is if I was charging, it would sort of be running up as it was going. Well, he shows a picture here where it says paid supercharging, $8.00. Needles, California, yeah. Friday, December 29th. So he's just showing like the final tally for that particular round of supercharging. Again, I didn't see it, so I don't know, but I will definitely keep everyone informed. That is one of the first things I want to do. I'm curious if it if it's sort of like as you're charging, you right. get like 20 cent ding, ding, every kilowatt yeah. hour or yeah. something like that. I think That'd that would be, funny be, to see. be, and then be kind of cool. It's like when you try and pull out the pump just as it's at $8 even. Right. So they went cross country and yes. they spent $100.95 on supercharging across the country. It's like $101 compared to when he did this in a BMW M5 and they spent like $600 in fuel. But they did do it 20 hours quicker. So $500 for 20 quicker hours. I don't know. I don't know either. I think that's pretty impressive to see the difference. Yeah. 
Uh, he said that he thought there was a great business opportunity. I disagree. That when you get to a supercharger that's kind of a bit isolated, mm-hmm. to have somebody like Postmates. Postmates is a uh-huh. interesting online kind of a yeah. uh, app, and uh, to use Postmates to have food delivered to you. So, like, if you that would be kind of complicated. How I'll far away, like how far away, you know, if you're in a supercharger literally in the middle of nowhere, you're in the middle of nowhere. How far away is the nearest Postmates well, driver? You, yeah, that, that, that wouldn't work. <laughs> but maybe if you had a nearby, let's say you're the mad Greek. Okay. And there's a 40-slot supercharger, like whatever, three-tenths of a mile away. But you know those uh-huh. Tesla people, they don't want to walk. Yeah. They could just get on the car, says, oh, you've arrived mm-hmm. at... Uh, Barstow, mm-hmm. and you could say, was it Barstow? I can't. I think it is, but whatever. You Barstow. arrive, and it says local food. Oh, and it's you, Baker. Baker, and you plug in local food, and boom, up comes the Mad Greek. You can mm-hmm. order your gyro and your soda, right from the screen. And they send a drone over, and boom, in like ten your minutes, drones. you have your food. But it could be like uh, I don't know if you're a golfer, but sometimes when you're re- approaching the eighth hole, yes. right? There's a little button that you can push to order some food that you can pick up at the ninth hole. So it could be similar to that is like when you get close to the end of charging, you've ordered your food. And then as you're leaving town, you can go pick it up. Or Mm. you could not be a lazy bastard and you could walk (laughs) over there and pick up your food while you're charging. Now, again, sometimes it's cold in the middle of the night. It could be raining. What if you only need like nine minutes of supercharging just to get Mm -hmm. you through that next? You don't want to overcharge. You don't want to idle. You don't want to get idle fees, yeah. right? Well, then just drive over to the Mad Greek at that point. And if you're stopping for nine minutes of charging, something has gone wrong with your trip planner. So let's just go down through the different elements of Please. his review, like acceleration and handling. He calls them fine and excellent. I would totally 100% agree with that. Fit and finish. He talks about the, quote, infamous panel gaps that the sticklers obsess about. And he says that uh, if he wasn't bombarded by Seeking Alpha articles, <laughs> <laughs> suggesting these are indicative of deeper production flaws, uh, blah, 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 not. That's kind of funny. He did note there was some annoying cold air felt on his legs and he reached out to Tesla and they did say that they were going to eventually deal with it. What I saw, I think that's interesting. That could be a seal. It could have been an open Mm -hmm. vent. There's a lot of things that it could potentially be. Or a missed opportunity to put some insulation in part of the car. Right. So hopefully we'll get a follow-up. I'm glad you bring that up. But I will say about that is I feel like the Model 3 doors are a little less insulated potentially than the Model S doors. I feel like there's not quite as solid a thud when you close the doors and there is, in my opinion, yeah. more cabin noise, probably somewhere in the range of five to 10 decibels. And you're a sound guy. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I noticed because somebody was like, oh, is it quiet? And the S, yeah. very, very quiet. Yeah. The three is not quite as quiet. Now, it's quiet, but it's not quite as quiet. It may also be some of the interior fabrics and elements that are used in the S. That it's a little more plush inside the S yeah. than in the three. Although I think the three seats are much more comfortable than my wife's 23. 23- 13 right. S seats. But how about the, the 75 that you're driving Well, the right one now? that I'm driving right now, those seats are really comfortable, yeah. but they are the cloth seats, mm. right? So they're not as stiff. So you kind of are a little bit more enveloped in yeah. them. What well, I, I like, feel like my seats. Yeah, what I liked about them is that there's a little more support on the sides. Right. So. And so he said that he noticed, to his surprise, 
Zero squeaks or rattles, even after 2,860 tortured miles. Tortured miles. They were torturing this poor thing. Well, they were driving it hard and fast. They were trying to set a record. Yeah. He talked about the RFID-enabled card keys. Yeah. And uh, he said they don't work when the B-pillar is covered in salt and ice. Which I think is actually pretty interesting because what you don't want to do if your car is covered in salt and ice is start scraping away at it. Yeah. To be able to get access to it. So in that particular case, you would Mm. need, need, need to have your phone attached to it so you could get in. I'm curious if that same ice and salt built up on the door handle at all and caused some issues with that because it's not presenting, right? Right. It doesn't present itself. You have to actually physically push it in. So I could imagine there being kind of some buildup maybe happening behind that potentially. I don't know. It hasn't happened. Again, I'm just... Sort of uh, putting, so that, putting another, that out there. If you live in a place with cold and ice, you should maybe consider having the guys who do the wrap on your center console mm-hmm. just do that B-pillar on yeah, the driver's side. Yeah, do that external B-pillar right. so you could be able to sort of scrape it away without worrying about damaging that, whatever that material is, right? They're hard plastic, I guess is probably what it is. So he, he queried whether or not the key card would be expensive to replace because car keys have become very expensive. Yeah. In fact, I looked up like what's the general cost or the lower end cost for a Lexus uh, automated key. And from it's like, the dealer yeah, or outside the 250 bucks from yeah. the dealer. But you can get it for about half that at a, at a lot of lock and key places. He said, and he reached out to Tesla, a representative from Tesla contacted them and told them five bucks. So I asked the delivery I, guy this question very, this. very specifically. Yes. And he told me over $100. He told me $115. He did not tell me that the first one was free either. So I will be finding that out when I go to the service center to get a final answer uh, when I pick up the Model 3 for the second time. So the interior, he noted, comparing to the Model S, which he drives, he likes it much better because of door pockets, mm-hmm. the dual phone charging cradle. Yeah. He said that Tesla has out Volvoed Volvo. <laughs> I was worried I wasn't going to be able to say that. Yeah. And that it's the purest interpretation of Scandinavian design. And he felt liberated from the tyranny of traditional car dashboards full of knobs and buttons. But let's be honest, Volvos are not, they are Scandinavian and they are designed by Scandinavians. So they are technically Scandinavian designs, but they're not simple designed vehicles. They do have a lot of buttons. So that's okay. One thing I wanted to talk about the dual phone charging. So one thing that I wanted to do first and foremost was to put a QI charger in that space where the phones get charged, right? And so when you take, when you open the lid where the Model 3 is, I don't know how many people know this, but the one on the left is the Apple Lightning charger and the one on the right is a USB mini charger. So it would work in in an Android phone. I think you can actually change them up. This is what I wanted to talk about. So I tried to put my QI pad, which has a USB mini attachment on the right-hand side, and I couldn't get it it was just a little high, and I was trying to loosen that thing. Mm-hmm. And I know I've seen photos of that coming out. You're talking I about could... the phone mount? Right. And I know that Tesla sells cables, right, yeah. replacement cables for that. Right. And I looked. I could get the USB cable all the way out except for the last bit at the very bottom where it sticks out of the – it's hard to explain it. 
but I couldn't get the cable. It is a to, radio show. I couldn't get the cable to come all the way out, and I opened the manual and I tried to find it. There were no pictures of it, so I don't know. It feels like to me you have to pop off a little plastic cover, yeah. which kind of scared me a little bit hmm. to try to replace that cable. I don't recommend, at least the way that mine was put together. I don't recommend doing that. I looked. I put the light on it. You could not clearly see a way to get that cable off. I'm sure we're going to be getting a mail a letter from the listeners just about like just do this right just send me the link to the youtube because i am very curious about that because i would like to put my qi charger right there now all i did was unplug the usb cable from underneath and i laid the qi charger at the very base of that center console and my phone fit nicely in there and everything was fine so i was able to make that what i will call modification number one excellent so well actually you i thought modification number one was that you put a talking Tesla sticker on the car. Actually, I did the QI thing before oh, I added so the that's talking Tesla sticker on the car. That's he loves the 15-inch touchscreen. He said nothing like Mel about having it tilted or canted or adjustable. No. He compared it to the G-Wagon, which is like two hundred grand, and he thought that the G-Wagon was a puny display and that it was mounted with the integrity of overused Legos. <laughs> which I think is super funny. I thought I mean, that was great, but he said funny. that in the Model 3 that the touchscreen feature feels like it was, quote, fixed to the dash by the steel hand of God and that it would take a sledgehammer to be dislodged, which, awesome. I think that's great. I mean, some people refer to Elon in those sort of terminology. Ah! I would not. (laughs) He said the nav, other manufacturers should weep. I mean, there's nothing. I have seen nothing, nothing, zero things that even come close to the Tesla navigation system. And in the Model 3, super quick, super responsive. There's no possible way. Thank you, Google, for throwing that thing in there with Tesla. But that navigation system is a genius. It's so much better now than it was when I first got my Model S, Mm -hmm. which at that time I bought a phone mount specifically to put up like Google Maps. Yeah. Because even though it had Google Maps on it, the direction finding, the routing, it was a mistake. And now I still travel with Waze almost all the time. And the the Tesla and the Waze, they're... Simpatico. Yeah. They're, and they're connected. They're good. Right. And we talked about the HVAC system, right. which is really good, and the vents are really great. He, uh, right before we get to the autopilot woes, the most important car since the Ford Model T. Yeah. I thought that was cool. And he said, What's the alternative? It's not a bolt, and everything else years away. And I will concur 100%. Obviously, the Model 3, this version, this iteration of the Model 3 is much more expensive than a bolt. In a lot of ways. Sure. However, there is no comparison. They are not even close to competitors, in my opinion. There's nothing wrong with the Bolt, but it is not a Tesla Model 3 in any way, shape, or form. What I would say about that is, okay, that that's all well and good. And, and I would say a $35,000 Model 3, when they start making those... Yes. ...is going to be an amazing vehicle. Yeah, that's and I'm hoping that's going to be maybe second quarter or sooner. Yeah. Since they're already moving the reservations eastward and people in Massachusetts and New York and Florida are getting their invites. Yeah. And I I saw one guy wasn't even standing in line. He was an online orderer after the reveal in the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really that that sounds great. That tells me that their production is actually ramped. Right. Even though we're still hyping on the fact that last quarter they hadn't ramped. And we talked a little bit about the autopilot uh, 
you know, conversation that, that he talks about in, in uh, detail in this article as well. And again, I feel like everybody should read this article. Yeah, and he makes some really good recommendations. I, I only took offense uh, in his, you know, he has like an opening paragraph that talks about the people who are such Tesla fans that he calls them the whores. And I thought, wow. But I wouldn't, you know, again, I don't want to include us in that. We're very, very critical. We're very, very hopeful about Tesla. And we're very, very positive in general about Tesla. And we're realists about what they're doing. But we're not in any way, shape or form jaded. I'm not sitting here making comments about Tesla, everything being honky dory because I own 10 shares of Tesla stock. Like that's not going to happen. It's not happening now and it's not going to happen in the future. I'd rather lose the whole investment than sit here and mislead the public. I agree. I wouldn't be able to sleep well at night. Yeah. And I'm glad that I'm glad that he pointed out the good and the bad of yeah. the car. And I feel still very confident. I think Tesla's doing something that no other car manufacturer has been able to do. Yeah. And so another thing to move on to the next article, and this isn't really an article, but it's from eBay.com mm. in regards to Model 3s being sold on eBay. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. In fact, a whole bunch of Model 3s. Mm -hmm. I had a list. He has a list. There's a list. He lost it. I lost it. But it's like a lost list. 59-ish thousand up to $81,000. Yeah, a lot of People them. are selling both futures mm -hmm. and actual cars. Yeah, there's people who have actually sold reservations for like $7,400. I'm not exactly sure how they're going to go about the business of that. I think it's still going to be you pay for this reservation and then you buy the car at cost. It's, that's what it appears they're allowing those people to configure for them. I went through one guy's entire, like, seven-paragraph explanation, mm -hmm. and he's inviting people to his house. Yeah. He lives in L.A., mm -hmm. and he says, you come to my house, I log in, you configure the car, um, you know, and then we exchange money. There's, like, some sort of an eBay escrow service. Uh -huh. And I thought, wow, that's kind of a cool yeah. idea, and I'm actually contemplating that myself. No, I don't, I don't know. So for me, this is inevitable. People are going to sell them on eBay. One guy, from what I could tell, if the listings are accurate and there's not some sort of scamming thing going on, listed and sold four of them. Wow. His two and his father's two. Yeah. And for all kind of different prices, ranging from the 80000 to just barely more money than he paid for the car, which I thought was really interesting. So it led me to sort of wonder. So what you can do is you can go on eBay, you can search Model 3 Tesla, and then hit completed listings, and it'll kind of show you the the listings that have ended, and then you can get kind of a feel for what we're talking about. So what I would say about this, I think it's inevitable. I think it's sad in a way, but I get it. Because even like the big referral code folks sell items that they win in the referral code. So whatever. This is a capitalist society. People are going right. to do what they want to do. There's people out there who are maybe a little bit late to the party and they're excited and they want one and they've got the money to be able to afford it. So whatever. Like let people, let bygones be bygones. Let people sell the cars for what they're going to sell the cars. Don't get too upset about it. But use it as an interesting sort of indicator of the general excitement for the Model 3. Or you could look at it like someone who already owned Tesla who happened to get in line and do all this. You know, they, they expended themselves to a degree that yeah. that's worth a couple grand. Yeah. Or 10. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they're going to save that 10 and put it towards the dual drive moving forward. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why you would get an early Model 3 and try to take advantage of the excitement behind it. Be careful. Don't do it too late. You know, like, don't wait two months from now because 
you might get stuck with a car you don't want. Right. Although I'm sure they'll have a good resale value regardless. Yeah. And I don't think you're going to take a big hit. The next article is an article, but it's also a a public radio story. So it comes from Southern California Public Radio. KPCC. It's, It's about a startup. Aurora is the name of it. And this is an autonomous software hardware company who signed a partnership with Volkswagen and Hyundai. And it's three guys, one from Google, one from Tesla, and one from Uber. Ooh. And <laughs> Oh, sorry. Good that he's out. <laughs> yeah. And the I goal guess. is to put autonomous vehicle technology on the market within three years. Yeah. Again, catching up, everybody trying to catch up Mm -hmm. and doing so broadly and safely. Uh, They're looking to get it into a Hyundai as soon as 2021. Well, because it's now 2018, so 2020 is now 2021. It's the new 2020. 2020, Yeah. They hope to to jump to a new level of automated driving. Uh, They're looking to push basically through to level four, which is what they say that's all that Elon was shooting for. Yeah. Although... That can be argued. It's hard to know, right? Because, again, when he talks about the Tesla network, yes, that's level five. True. If you're going to let grandma, who doesn't have any vision, come to your house, that's a level if five. You're gonna let, yeah, if you're going to let your car drive around with no one in it to pick someone up, that's yep. level five. Yep. Period. End of story. I'm waiting for that. Supercharger update, Robert. This has been a deceptively fantastic week. Deceptively fantastic? Deceptively fantastic. How, how do you say well, we have nine new superchargers. That's a lot. Yeah. And I was reading through and I was like, oh, look, oh, only one in the United States, but five in China. And then I started looking at the map and I decided I'm going to try every week to give you not only how many new superchargers, mm-hmm. right? Nine open superchargers, but how many plugs Ooh, in those nine that's pretty superchargers. Exciting. Wow. It's like a supercharger plus update, really. Yes. Bigger. It's like a candy-coated supercharger update by Robert Rosenblum. And it's calorie-free. And it's only taken you 40 weeks to figure it out. That's right. And like six hours to prepare for this show. (laughs) It's not a dig on you, Robert, except for that it kind of is a little. Yeah. Nine superchargers for a total of 116 plugs. So what's the average there then? That's like 18 plugs a supercharger. But it isn't, and I'll it's tell you why. It's not even close to 18 plugs of supercharger because 9 divided by 116 is closer to 11 or 12. Okay. <laughs> it's nine, mad. 90 to, yeah, thir- 12, 13. I, was, I got know, you on that one. I'm a two fingers of tequila down at this moment. <laughs> and so we have five in China. And if you go onto the supercharger uh, map, mm-hmm. you'll see that there is now a ring around Beijing. And it's not like a ring around your bathtub after you've taken a bath. This is a good ring of cleanliness. Clean driving electric Teslas. A ring around China. There's five new superchargers around Beijing, in China. Not I mean, all of China. That's right. Around Beijing. Five new China superchargers, three in Beijing. And one of those is at the Beijing High Run mansion. I don't know what that is, but it sounds cool. It's a bunch of towers of apartments, and I think there's a hotel there. Okay, okay. I sort of tried to look it up. My inability to read Mandarin holds me back somewhat. Yeah. And there are no pictures of the supercharger on uh, the the website, you know, Mm -hmm. either the Tesla Motors Club or on the PlugShare website. And it turns out that for the most of all of the Chinese superchargers, 
That's the People's Republic of China yeah. superchargers. There isn't much information online. And I, I wonder if that's because they have limited access outside of China to like non-Chinese websites. I've heard that uh, right. they have internal blocks. social media and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so that we need using. to tap into that. But nine of these out of the nine superchargers and the 116 plugs, one of these Chinese supercharger stations accounted for 50. 50. This 50, this is the High Run Mansion, popped up on Thursday. 50 spots. That's big. That's big. That's the second 50 in the world. Bigger than Kettleman. Kettleman's 40. Mm-hmm. And Baker is 40. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when the next big one is going to come. They're coming. Yeah. They're coming. And I wonder, I'd love to be able to see a Google satellite photo of this and see, are there solar panels no. being part I've of looked. it? I looked, I searched, I went to 3D Google. Yeah. There isn't a lot I can see other than big, tall buildings and a lot of yeah. trees. But there, there's a lot of renewable energy going up in China. That's so, true. You know. So we got two more in Portugal, mm-hmm. one in Mexico, and one lonely United States supercharger opened. But that was in Mount Shasta, which is a very cool place. Portugal got two. So I wonder if now, Portugal's not a very big country, so I wonder no. now if that's enough to sort of be able to drive one direction across all of Portugal without... Uh, getting stuck somewhere we've got two superchargers that entered construction one in the canada and u.s the canada i'm i've just got my canada book okay i haven't yet cracked it open yet because i got it late last night is it called oh canada no it's about speaking canadian oh good i'll bring that i'll bring that next i'm sure the canadians are stoked yeah uh one went into permit in the united states Mm -hmm. i have news that the tejon ranch supercharger Mm -hmm. which has been it's like you know, one of the first three superchargers created. Yeah. Six stalls under a solar canopy. Yeah. They added two temporary plugs mm-hmm. in, I don't know, the last year or so. It is expanding to 16 stalls. And that is the first supercharger I was ever at when me and Mel drove to TMC Connect. We to interviewed a couple me. of people up there. Yeah, to yeah. meet with you. That was yeah. the first time I met you. So the Tahone Ranch supercharger has a very near and dear place in my heart. The other thing about the Tahone Ranch supercharger, which kind of comes back to that Postmates thing is there's a ton of restaurants within a foot of that thing. So that thing is very well uh, established and there's a nice liquor store or a convenience mart in that parking lot as well. So I like the Tahone Manch Supercharger. So Robert... There's also a, a, a new supercharger that is mm-hmm. any day now going to be online in Westlake Village. Okay. It's actually Thousand Oaks. So that's close to it's us. It's 24 plugs. Oh, that's nice. That is big. They're waiting for all those. They're expecting a lot of Model 3s in that area, and I do not blame them. Yeah, I was there just the other day. I took, I think it was on Saturday. Uh I took a bunch of pictures. No, actually it was on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. I took a bunch of pictures, and I happened to talk to a fellow. Uh Uh-huh, a fellow. A fellow who uh, seemed to know what he was talking about, and he was the guy uh, in charge of the whole system Mm -hmm. and told me he, I don't think he realized he was talking to me, so I'm not using any names. In fact, I don't even remember a name. Yeah. But it turns out that uh, the Calabasas Supercharger, uh-huh. which is just down the street, yeah. is also going to be opening. I don't think it has as many plugs, maybe maybe 16 to 20. That's a lot. They're increasing the number of plugs at the Grove, which right now, the Grove, which is the farmer's market, that's kind of mm-hmm. like mid-Los Angeles, yeah. mid-city. Uh, the Grove has a few plugs that are primarily for the store, but they're installing a whole bank of superchargers there oh. for the public. That's a crazy busy parking lot. I will bet you that those things are very regularly iced at that place. Well, wait. 
There's more. Oh, what? The same uh, guy who runs that all these malls also has a Glendale Galleria. They're going to like double up the number of chargers there. Uh, the the Galleria or the Americana? Oh, I don't know. He said Glendale. Okay, so that's probably the Americana. Wherever be... there are plugs now, uh-huh. they're going to like double them. Okay, that's good. Then Pacific Palisades. Ooh. They're doing an entire uh, and I heard about this independently from someone else. Just off Sunset Boulevard in the Pacific Palisades, they're doing this like sort of a grove-like development with okay. stores and such. Cool. Superchargers there as well. Plus, the same organization, I think it's Caruso, mm-hmm. has a hotel out in Montecito, mm-hmm. which is on is almost in Santa Barbara. Yeah. And they are going to put superchargers out there. Nice. What's interesting about People all of this— People do not like Caruso, by the way, his oh, developments. I have no idea. I just know what I heard, and yeah. it has something to do with more superchargers. Yeah, so yeah. I'm thinking of Mel, and I'm telling the story. Uh-huh. He, This fellow said that, number one, they're going to have a program whereby if you go to one of their— malls, uh-huh. uh, somehow they're going to do a deal with you that they'll give you a Tesla to drive out to their Montecito resort if you go stay there. So if you live near like the Glendale Galleria and you want to go to the Montecito resort and spend a couple nights, I don't know what the rules are. It's yet to be announced that they will give you a Tesla at the Glendale Galleria and you can drive it out to the Montecito hotel and that's going to be part of your stay. That's awesome. I wish I didn't have two Teslas now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I'm just kidding. Here's I the do. other thing is that oh, wow. I was at Westlake mm-hmm. and uh, there was a car plugged into one of the superchargers. And I thought, what? I figured the thing was live already. And all the guys working there were laughing when I asked about it. And I said, why are you laughing? They said, because we haven't even pulled wires to that supercharger. So somebody just pulled in and plugged it and in? They plug, yeah, the bollard is up. With the actual cord for the supercharger. And they didn't tell the guy that he wasn't charging? I guess he was plugged in before they got there. Hilarious. Hilarious. I feel bad for that guy. What if he was on zero miles? That's not so hilarious. That's what I told him. I said, well, you know, you guys might see some flatbed pickup truck showing up here to tow this guy away. (laughs) Oh, that poor guy could be in panic mode out there trying to get his car started. And so then I said, wait a minute. This is the most extensive supercharger update ever, Robert. This is great. I'm very worried that this big area, that the 24 spots in Westlake, I said, what do you mean? This is right near the movie theater. These are going to get iced. He says, no. We're putting up signs at every single one of these malls Uh that these are dedicated to Tesla only and we will tow. Ooh. So I was like, dude. Strong words, Caruso. I love you. That's cool. His name wasn't Caruso. No, but I mean, the Caruso people are really uh, holding the line there. And it turns out this guy owns a Tesla. And so, you know, it's like there's a connection. I felt really good about this. I wonder if they'll ever... Calabasas is pretty close to the Topanga Tesla showroom, which is in the Topanga Mall, yes. a Westfield Mall, not a Caruso yes. uh, location. No superchargers there, though. I know. Destination chargers. They said they were going to do one in Northridge. I don't know if that's... That'd be cool. There's a mall If that's there. simpatico or yeah. what. And now, let's move on to what we know and love. The final frontier. You're wearing a SpaceX shirt. It's Um, a Falcon Heavy shirt. That's right, because I'm still waiting. (laughs) And today, I have found when Falcon Heavy will launch. But let me say first. Okay, first. That there is a great Daily Mail article on Elon Musk's SpaceX most powerful, most powerful rocket. Uh Uh-huh. Blast off with the billionaire's roadster on board. They said that the thrust is going to be 5.1 million pounds. That's a lot of pounds. It's also 2,300 
metric tons. And uh, probably which, a lot of tons. You know tons. that 2,000 metric tons is a <laughs> ton. <laughs> but they're only they're going to dial it back. They're only going to launch at 92% of capacity. It's about the same as 18 Boeing 747s. At full throttle. That's true. But that we're is only, amazing. We're only going to use uh, 17 or 16 of them. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And so they can eventually launch 140,000 pounds That to of me cargo. is a staggeringly large number. That's like houses. Of payload yeah. that they can drop up there. That is the equivalent of a whole lot of Model 3s, to be honest with you. Yeah. Not just one Roadster. What is that, 70 tons? That's pretty impressive. That's only a Chichai ton. <laughs> That's Japanese. For so uh, on January 7th, which is uh, today, today, a little while 8 ago. 8 p.m. Eastern time, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. in the past. So this happened in the past. This happened. And I was watching it here and tweeting about it mm-hmm. while we were recording. Yeah. And drinking tequila. Yeah, we know. Robert. And I'm still holding it together. Oh, yeah. You're doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Zuma, the secret launch. Don't tell anyone. It's a secret. That went up from Cape Canaveral. Launch Complex 40. Uh-huh. It took off. It made it through Max-Q. Oh. It delivered the satellite, and they relanded or the first stage. Or maybe it didn't deliver the satellite. It's hard to know because it's a or secret. maybe it wasn't a satellite. Right. Who knows what it was? I'm not going to say any more, but mm-hmm. they landed it back at LZ-1 nice. on Cape Canaveral, and all went well. So LZ-1, is this the first time in Florida that they've put it on LZ-1? No. Negative. You're shaking your head. No. Why are you shaking your head, Robert? Because no one can hear you when you LZ shake your head. You know that many right? times, but they have multiple LZs that they've been developing, mm-hmm. so they can bring back Falcon Heavy. So when Falcon Heavy comes back down, we will see landing at LZ one and an LZ two, and some platform in the middle of the ocean, some barge, right? The barge. Just just follow the instructions. I want to be on the barge. The barge, Mary, and so. Boom, 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 boom. What's the date, Robert? You've been waiting? January 29th. No time announced. Uh-huh. So they've already announced two dates for Falcon Heavy. And the payload? This is the third one. It is the Roadster. For sure. That yeah. has been confirmed. They are going to send the Roadster up. Robert, are you going to be <laughs> in Florida to watch the Roadster go up in space? January 29th. I haven't actually looked at my calendar. It is a Monday, Mm -hmm. which is the day that we um, record Talking Tesla number one. We could record a couple of days ahead of time. That's 123. Yeah. Yeah. I won't be here anyways. I will be in New Huevo, York. Oh, well. Maybe you should take a quick flight down. I wonder if I can see it. Uh, You know, if it explodes, (laughs) I bet you can. Well, then I don't want to see that. That's for sure. (laughs) So this is a trans-Mars injection, or a TMI, also known as too much information, which I think is actually weird. Don't use an acronym that's already in use in the vernacular. In a heliocentric orbit, which I don't know what that means because, well, you've listened to this show. Helio you know is why. the sun, and the, the sun is at the center of this orbit. Oh, okay. So it's a propulsive maneuver. Okay. They use it to set a spacecraft on a trajectory. Uh-huh. It's also known as Mars transfer orbit, oh. which will cause it to arrive at Mars. So this is what I don't know about this. They're going to just place the car in a trans-Mars orbit, a Mars transfer orbit, but they're not going to have any control of it after it's in orbit because there are no fuel packs or jet packs or anything on it. What is the long-term point of this? 
to test launch the Falcon Heavy and land <laughs> back the three boosters. Okay. So there's just going to be a car, an odd-shaped vehicle kind of floating around in space. And that the old, the first vehicle in orbit, in orbit by itself, not in a spaceship, is a Tesla. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Good job, Elon. <laughs> well, I, I imagine there's probably more to it, but mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping that the launch will be at dusk Yeah. so that we get the same fantastic oh, effect that we had with our most recent Vandenberg launch of the Iridium Next 4 satellites. And then the very next day, they're going to launch two more? Yes. They're going to have a double header. This from? is crazy, isn't it? One from Launch Complex 40 in Florida. So the heavy goes up at Launch Complex 40. They come back to the landing zones at Launch Complex. No, the heavy goes up from 39A. 39A. That's correct. But it's going to land in the LZs. Are they going to then land the 9 at the LZs? I'm sure they will. And they because the pictures that I saw, the LZ looked like they had either three or four discrete landing zones in the LZ. Wow. So the next day, January 30th, mm-hmm. again, why not stay, double header, and they're going to launch a uh, geotransfer orbit of the SES-16. They've already launched a bunch of SES satellites. Mm-hmm. And then on uh, the same day from Vandenberg, they're going to launch a Falcon 9 also. So all of these are going to be reused boosters. And no no time frame for, no time of day for any of the... January 30th launches. That's correct. They haven't been announced. Same thing for the January 29th Falcon Heavy. And I will still be in New York on these days. Well, you know, Mikasa is Sukasa. I'll get a spot with two beds. Nice. All right. And so this is going to be a Starlink prototype satellite. Ooh. This is a Spanish-made satellite for the Starlink constellation. So this is the first launch or part of the the hopeful long-term Elon Musk broadband network? Is that what no. I'm catching by the SpaceX Starlink? What is that then? Oh, well, I, mm, I, I didn't catch that. And I... I apologize for that. Okay. Explore. But they are going to land this second January 30th takeoff from Vandenberg. Mm-hmm. I, I believe they're going to try and re-land this on the ground at Vandenberg. That would be the first use of the Landenberg landing zone. So uh, according to Digital Trends, an older article, Musk began probing the FCC about testing a global broadband system <sighs> and in September of 2017 filed applications for a satellite-based broadband network called, you guessed it, Boom! Starlink. Starlink. That's awesome. So this is probably the first launch of that since you said it was a prototype satellite. So this will be Hopefully, Elon's long-term eventual goal of being able to give broadband internet to the entire globe. So imagine <laughs> no more uh, having to log into your United uh, Wireless or your American Airlines Wireless. If you're right. a member of this Elon Musk system, you'll everywhere you go, you'll be on everywhere. one network. You'll never have to switch from one network to another. I wonder how Iridium feels about that. I want it. I do, too. I want it now. Oh. All right, so now is the time of the show, the best time of the show, the greatest part of the show, listener letters. Okay, Andrew Locke, orange peeling on your paint, 
No, orange peeling on your paint. Orange peel paint on his Model X. On his Model X, orange peel. Do you know what that means? It's that peau d'orange. It's that, no, it's the texture. Yeah, that's called peau d'orange. Oh, is it? Yeah, I'm just... You're, you're a <laughs> lunatic, and you just said the F word on this show. Uh, so he is very disturbed that he had paid $120,000 for his Model X, and he's noticing this orange peel appearance to the paint, which we sort of noticed on your loner Model S. Yeah, we were out there. We were looking around, and I had never kind of heard about this before until we got this letter from Andrew Locke. And there's sort of this texture. Now, the S that I have is black, and it's showing all of the texture of the car, and I think maybe this is what he is talking about. It's not great. No, definitely I, I, not I great. I don't love it. So this Very is a mad. problem. I hope it's not a huge problem. So he picked up his car in June of 2017. So if you're out there and you've gotten a Model X or a Model S around that time frame, and I believe yours is around that time frame, so maybe you yeah, mine's pretty white, so it's hard to see. Can that look stuff. into that as well. But I would be curious to see if anybody has noticed this ahead of time but my thoughts are that this is not cool That's and i not wonder the word you wrote i know i did i just was trying to clean it up it started with a b with a t right it was yeah. uh, toro uh pupe um <laughs> and so i wonder if it had to do with a new paint room being installed in preparation for the model three line uh i asked the question if it's textural but now i believe i've actually seen it and I wonder if you go to a showroom, you can see it on the Model X. But I would say to you, continue to push back at them until you're satisfied that it's right. And we will now put the word out to all of our listeners. Take a look in uh, detail of your paint finish and let us know if you're seeing a weird, less than hardcore, glossy, smooth finish. Yeah, it's... Maybe it's common. Maybe it's what it is. But who knows? Zib... This is fun. This is fun for me. Zibniak. Velovsky. Not even close. Why? Veselovsky. Veselovsky. You put the L a little bit early there. Svid, svig, 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 <laughs> damn it, Robert. Zibniek Veselovsky. Uh, that's how I would say it. Zibniek Veselovsky. I like this new term. I looked it up. It doesn't exist, no. but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit it to oh, Urban Dictionary. Are you? He said, hi, talking Teslanians. I read that as Teslanians. Mm, well, that's because of your wife. <laughs> Maybe. That might have something to do with it. <laughs> nanu, nanu. <laughs> Zibnik. He was listening to our Christmas episode. Yeah, very festive. He said, you're absolutely right. There's all these articles. Bait click. He didn't like those. I don't like those. No. It's, it's for sure. But he took a long trip. Okay. 3,000 kilometers. That's, 1,800 miles. Yeah, that's 1,864 miles for us who can't. And I'm really glad you did that math conversion right here in front of me. So it made me seem very smart at the moment. <laughs> he was visiting relatives all across the Europe. The and Europe? And he said that he tried using Type <laughs> 2 char chargers uh -huh. instead of like a supercharger network. Uh -huh. And it took just so darn long. But he's talking about paid commercial Type 2 chargers. And yeah. again, those are great at your house. Right? The right. Type 2, I'm assuming he means level 2. Right. Right? So In Europe, it's a little different, but still, it is not fast like a supercharger. Right. Of course, it's not fast like a supercharger. And it's it's meant to be at your home where you have six or eight hours to charge your car. So he got a maximum of 50 kilowatts, which is actually pretty good, I think, for a level 2 charger, don't you think? Yeah. But it's still not going to get you a <laughs> cannonball run in any kind of record. No. And uh, Zibniak is from Norway, and he just he went all over the Europe, as you call it. 
And uh, thanks Europe. for considering your being a Patreon. Yeah. Tim McDonald. You got that one. Had a Model 3 delivery question. As opposed to a farm. He uh, actually is Nothing? asking Mel a question, but because Mel isn't here, <laughs> we'll have to answer for him. I can answer. He says, were you given the opportunity to use a credit card to put some of the final payment on and get some, like, miles or some kickback? I really, really more than anything in the world wanted to do this. Yes. I want Because I love putting cars on my credit card and then just getting either REI points or Costco cash bag. <laughs> That's sort of my thing. Yes. I put a car already this year on my uh, Costco credit card. So, and then I just paid it off the next month. Nice. So you can have an extra pallet of dish towels. Exactly. I bought an entire pallet of dish towels. So what I will say to you is I really wanted to do this. They did not give me the chance. So when you you put your $1,000 down, that's a credit card. When you get your configuration email, they ask you for another $2,500. Okay. That I put on my credit card. So that's $3,500 on a credit card. And then you will get, uh, depending on what you're doing, if you're financing it through Tesla, they'll ask you if you have a trade-in or a down payment. And then the couple of days, few days before delivery, you'll get a little invoice, ding, in the mail, and you'll go to your log into your Tesla account, and it'll say, you have a balance. In my particular case, a balance of $15,000, which is what I put down above the $3,500, and I had a loan of the remainder that they got via check from my credit union. And that had to get paid by the only option was a checking account routing number that you kind of plugged in to your account on Tesla. And that's how you pay for your down payment. So that hopefully that answers your question. Okay. The next letter is from John Erickson. And he sent us an article about why solar isn't as popular in the U.S. as it is in this case in Australia. And fascinating. Truly. I didn't read the whole article. Did you? I did. I read the whole article, and there's a lot of stuff. Basically, it kind of points to the red tape and the permitting process. And I don't know. I've never seen an Australian solar installation. I know that from my own experience, the guys that installed mine from Solar City were very, very professional, did a very, very nice job. And that was with a new electrical panel that had to get installed as part of it. But they did have to put in an extra cutoff box up front because the DWP required it. Yeah, we needed three. And all, yeah, so some people One need up to four. One for each run of panels. We have two panel runs. Yeah. And one for the two panel runs combined. And do you have two inverters? No. Single inverter? Single inverter. Okay. Which is interesting because But that... still, in Australia, it was $1.34 per watt installed yeah. compared to three twenty five in the United States. Yeah. So the main what? point of the article is a five kilowatt system in Australia, 6,750. And I'm assuming he did the dollar to dollar translation because, you know, obviously the Australian dollar and the U.S. dollar are a little bit different. But in the U.S., it was $16,250. That's a big, big difference. And would definitely require, and some of that, again, is the delays, the permit process. The companies that are doing this here, because of the permit process and the constant potential for redesign, have to kind of build in all of that stuff into every solar Costs build. Costs a lot of money. Yeah, so yeah, it's expensive. Just to give you a sense, for us, Solar City was out within a week to measure our roof. We already had a guy, yeah. Gordon. Mm-hmm. I've talked about Gordon. Gordon. Hey, Gordon. Hi, Gordon. Thanks for helping. Gordon. Came out. 
was really great, answered a million questions, yeah. and then uh, looked around a little bit, but said a guy was going to come out who came out, mm-hmm. went up on the roof, went through the attic, looked at everything, took pictures of everything, yeah. and within like seven days, we had the plans, everything ready to go. They came out, like I think within three weeks, installed the whole system. Yeah. And I waited almost four months. Yeah, that's pretty quick. So, But if they're in that process, would have been any design changes? If they would have come out and designed it and then submitted that design and DWP would have said, no, you can't do it like this, then there would have been design changes. So all that stuff is built into the cost. So it's an interesting article. The article will be in the show notes. It's from Green Tech Media. Uh, hopefully Mel will be able, I'll send Mel a message and he knows people in Australia that have solar installations. So I think this would be actually a good first world comparison of Mel's experience and somebody from Australia's experience to sort of give a little bit of insight into this. But I think a lot of it has to do with regulations and permitting. And I don't know how, where I land on that one. I would like it to be much cheaper. So more people will do it. The next letter comes from Robert Saunders. Saunders. The Best Fart Acronym Challenge. The Best Fart Acronym Challenge. What are, what are you saying, Robert? I don't understand. Are you talking to me, Robert, or Robert Saunders? You, Robert. Oh, me. Yeah, you. Uh, well, Robert me. Saunders isn't in the room. No, he isn't. But it's like he's with us because we're here with his letter. And he says that he just wants people to continue to work to popularize the term fart cars instead of ice cars. He thinks ice cars sound too cool. They do but sound cool. If a car ran on ice, it'd be like hydrogen. It'd be like something out of, a uh, you know, Marvel Comics. Be like the Terminator, the Ice Man, and I want to run the ice car. But FART, which stands for Foul Air Road Terrorist. Well, that's his suggestion of what it sounds like. So now you're saying we're going to need to have an acronym contest? Ah. What does this is? I believe what Robert is uh, is saying. So if you are a listener and you're listening to this right now, and the word fart is the acronym, yes, and now come up with the four words that will make the best acronym for the, for ice, the car. ice car, yeah. the internal combustion engine vehicle. Uh, we await your answers. <sighs> John Sheen, New yes. York, Model Three. He is getting his Model 3. He's in New York. Yeah. He's already an S owner. Uh-huh. Day one. Yeah. In person at the New York sale location. And actually, this brings up a good point, Robert. The people want to know, we've sort of glossed over it for this entire show. Mm. Have you gotten your configuration email? And was there possibly some form of, I don't know, let's call it (laughs) user error. I knew you were going to use that. As it pertains to your Model 3 reservation. All right. Well, I was going to produce a YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) You were going to, but I beat you to it. (laughs) Because I've been trying. I've been trying. I'm not a a very good um, video person, may I say. I'm also a perfectionist, which makes it really hard to be a beginner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mm -hmm. so I went... After the last show, uh-huh. which was last week on Tuesday, That's correct. to yeah. the Tesla configurer, because I continually looking for that email, continually feeling sad. Left out. Left out. You. Forgotten. Mel, loving your model. People in trees, New York and you're Florida. Not, you're not loving it as much. <laughs> and so I went on the configurator and I uh-huh. pulled it up and I found that the one of my two Teslas was in the standard battery category. So you clicked the wrong button, Robert. What? I 
I am not sure what happened, although that does say early 2018. I'm sure what happened. And we are in early 2018. We but the are, reality Robert. is that. But it wasn't first production, which is why you didn't receive your email. It's true. And we had thought maybe it was because I had an outstanding deposit on a roadster. Yeah, they were mad at you. Somehow you they were punishing me. You didn't pay your additional forty-five or $245,000 to follow through on your roadster fallacy so you could ride in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I only owed $45,000. And never once during that Tesla Semi event, Robert, and I'm just going to reiterate this, never yeah. once did you go, dude, you should put down $5,000 so you can get a ride in it. I found it out. And I didn't know where you were. <laughs> oh, you were yeah. you were busy. Uh, Glad handing. Whatchamacallit. Uh, periscoping the whole thing. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. But next time, I think we should come better prepared like some of the other YouTubers with their multiple cameras, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, we're just a uh, bunch of schlubs. So on Tuesday, last mm -hmm. week, I changed back to first production. Oh, and? And then Saturday, I got a phone call from Tesla. Oh, do tell. Saying, do you want your Roadster? What? You owe us $45,000. We're talking about the Model 3. Why did they call you about the Roadster? Well, they did. And I talked to a very nice gentleman. I don't have his name in front of me, but we talked and on and on. And I asked him about the Roadster. And uh -huh. he said, it's possible that they may sell out of the 1,000 Founders Edition Roadster. That's the one that if you put down five grand, you owe them like $245,000 within about 10 days. And you can wait for so two years. you pretty much have to have your money ready to roll. Mm -hmm. Or you could be a podcaster, YouTuber, and just get given one because you have a billion referrals. Yeah, 55 referrals. 55 referrals. Good on you, Ben. There's a bunch of them out there now. God bless all of you. Bjorn's at 83%, by the way, of his Roadster being paid for. That's awesome, but you still have to pay taxes, and he'll still have to pay for a Roadster yeah. because there's still like this huge import anyway. Yeah, yeah. And so I relinquished my deposit on the Roadster. Oh, uh, no Roadster for you. I'm not going to be buying a Roadster. I think I'm mm. buying other things. I was hoping to ride in your Roadster. Oh. Well, I asked him, you know, if I do come back and do want the first production roadster, not the founders, he told me we'll make as many as people want. Oh, that's nice of them. And, um, yeah, so that, that dream still exists. Maybe, you know, since the roadster announcement and I started making more of an effort to entice people to buy a Model S or a Model X, I've gone from one referral uh -huh. to one referral. Oh, good job. Yes. And it would take you like four. 4,000 shifts to pay for a roadster, would it not? It would be a lot of, it would be, be a lot of work. It would but be a lot of on the plus side, you would have pit. saved a lot of lives. Which or at least great. relieved a lot of pain. Right, relieved suffering. all of those things. I agree. The next letter comes from Kyle Dirch, and this is the year of the Model 3 is the subject line. And he said he wanted to thank so much for the show, always entertaining, and it feeds his Tesla obsession. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Kyle. But thanks, then he says thanks to Mel for his Model 3 and Model S comparison video. People love the video stuff. They do. They do. We should do more of that. I think we should. We could do a video in here right now, but it's so dark and dim. And sweaty. And sweaty. Yeah, I finally figured out how to work the air conditioner. That's good. You've only been trying for an hour and a half. instead of oh, cool. That's helpful. Very yeah. nice. It's Sa good to have cool. It's like a sauna in he here. He also said, yeah, well, it's very Swedish in here. <laughs> we have our aquavit. Good luck on your reservation, Robert. If you haven't, it probably wouldn't hurt to confirm that they still you have you on the list. And, <laughs> well, and that is on Tuesday what I did do. Yeah. It's funny, when I talked to the fellow at Tesla about mm -hmm. the Roadster, yeah. and I said I was sorry, uh, personally I felt sorry that I couldn't be getting a Roadster, yeah. I said, oh, by the way, I have two Model 3 reservations. Oh, yes, I see that. By the by. I said, and I realized that one of them was mistakenly on the standard battery and not first production. What but was I, the other one on? 
It's on the dual drive. Oh, so it's on the farther one. So yeah. both of them were, were delayed production. Right. And so I said, but last Tuesday, I switched it back to first production. Mm-hmm. He says, oh, I see. I said, any idea how long that's going to take? Because I'm, you know, I'm an owner. I was in line, blah, 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 blah. And he says, no, I'm sorry. I really can't help. Two hours later, I got a call from another phone number oh, in Vegas. Vegas. Tesla. Yeah. Another guy, I don't have his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't ask permission to That's use his okay. name. Yeah. And he says, well, you know, uh, I see you've got a first production Model 3 down. I said, yes. He says, we're going to send you an, an email to invite you to configure, but you have two email addresses with us. And I oh, said, but which one? I changed that like a year, almost a year ago. Mm. And then he said he was going to send me an email. Nice. So um, you can have a configuration in your inbox as we speak, Robert. Well, I'm going to let you read the next letter and I'm going to check. All righty. So the next letter comes from Joe Dropkin, and the subject line is curling. His nephew is featured on the Team USA curling semi that brings equipment all around the country as they go from Bonspiel to the Bonspiel. And for those of you who don't know what a Bonspiel is, that's another name for a curling tournament. I was going to say, what's a Bonspiel? My curling club's Bonspiel is the July 4th weekend, typically every year in Valencia, a very good time. Come out and join us. Lots of raffles, celebrity curling events, all kinds of good stuff. And what do you think he can do to get them to convince them to buy a Tesla Semi? And what I would say to you is, I don't know how much money USA Curling has, but I don't know that they have new Semi money. $250,000. And if they do, we would like some dedicated ice in Los Angeles. So, And then the other question he asks is, does Tesla have any way of heating the washer fluid? What say you about this? Now, I was recently in Washington state. It was cold. It was snowy. Windshield wiper fluid, if there's snow buildup on the front of the hood Mm -hmm. situation, doesn't really come out very well. I don't know if you knew that about it. And it does have a tendency to freeze in a Hyundai Santa Fe. I'll tell you this, they're not heating it on that car. No. I had some problems with that when I was in uh, Utah and Colorado during Mm -hmm. very cold winter last year. Yeah. So uh, I just had a scraper. A windshield brush scraper device. So you you tried to use fluid, but you could not? No. It was... I would be concerned about heated fluid, and this is why. Cold window, hot fluid. Crack. Crack. That would be bad. Well, I know that the semi is made with uh, nuclear, yeah, you could do thermonuclear it on proof glass. You do it on the semi all day long. The next letter comes from Michael Sullivan, and uh, he just wanted to let us know that he's in New England, and he received his invite. Yeah. He's waiting for the all-wheel drive. But it looks like the East Coast is getting their vehiculars. It's awesome. Pat Reed said, I took your advice. Wow. Who? My my advice, you think? Well, it was from last week's show. Oh, okay. Good. She called Tesla inside sales today and told them that she was a first-day reservation holder. Uh-huh. Actually, I'm assuming Pat could be a boy. My bad. And told them that he wanted that I wanted to make sure that they hadn't tossed his configuration email Away by accident, Mm -hmm. just because uh, he saw or she saw East Coast, Wisconsin, and Florida were all getting their configurators. And he said that uh, region ordering was not a factor anymore. This was per John R. Okay, at Tesla, John R. And that that Pat should get an email within a week. And the last question is, will traffic-aware cruise control work without buying the autopilot option? And the answer, we believe... Well, this is traffic-aware cruise control. Did it seem to work on your loaner? No. That was lean assist. Right. None of it was... traffic-aware cruise control. 
Yeah, I mean, there is definitely on the stem is the indication for speed and distance between vehicles. Right. So I don't know. I'll have to check that out on the the Model S, which doesn't have it. But what I will say is if you go to the website and look at a Model S, what it comes with standard is automatic emergency braking and collision avoidance. So that would sort of be traffic-aware cruise control in Not some exactly. ways. It would just put the brakes on if you're about to hit something to keep your your collision from being very severe. It is not to keep you necessarily like four car lengths or four seconds behind the car in front of you. Right. And then electronic stability and traction control. Now, if you go and look at the enhanced autopilot and you click on that and that's $5,000 and it's the same on the three as it is on the S. Yes. Enhanced autopilot adds new capabilities to the autopilot driving experience. So that would lead me to believe that there are some things that do exist. Yeah. Right. In the standard version of it. But the enhancements include going from one to four cameras. So if you didn't turn it on, you'd only have one camera working your system, greater accuracy, greater redundancy, and you'd be able to see fast approaching vehicles in adjacent lanes. So that's a little more aware of traffic, that particular definition of it, right? In addition, the 12 ultrasonic sensors provide a 360-degree coverage with twice the range and resolution of the prior version. Now, it doesn't say how many of those exist if you don't buy the $5,000 enhanced autopilot. but I think they're all there, but they just don't wire them up or they just don't read the information. They're not working. So that is... Yeah, it also talks about there being uh, a computer that is over 40 times more powerful. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they're going to, you know, turn down the clock speed on that computer if you don't pay the extra money. Well, my guess is they won't need to turn down the clock speed because it just won't be working. Like that particular software program won't be won't be running in the background all the time. So, again, I hope that answers the question. It's there's still a super safe car without the enhanced autopilot, but. It's not going to be it's not going to have the exact same stuff. And she or he, Pat, sorry, uh, wants to get this for uh, their son. And the son doesn't think they'll be using the autopilot very much, but it would be nice to have this safety feature built in. So maybe somebody in the nation can answer that question for next week and then we will uh, not sound like idiots. Daniel Berman's asking about Tesla Coop. Yeah. A two-door Tesla, wanting to know if they're going to do something like that to match BMW and the Mercedes. And I think that uh, maybe, uh, but again, I don't think Tesla's uh, goal is to be an auto manufacturer. Their goal is to accelerate the world to sustainable transportation. But I think they do want to be an auto manufacturer because, again, they've announced Since the Model 3, they've announced the Y. That's Mm -hmm. a thing. They've announced the pickup truck. That's Mm -hmm. a thing. They've announced the Semi. That's a thing. So could they eventually get to a point where they have multiple factories and they have multiple lines and they're building a limited amount of coupes in another factory? Sure. It all depends on where they get with the Model 3, the Model Y, and the pickup truck. I don't I don't necessarily think that Tesla doesn't want to be a car company in the long run. I, I, I think it does. If if Tesla could be the next GM and have 40 models, that would be amazing. Well, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that not that they don't want to be a car manufacturer, but their goal isn't just to make cars. Their goal is to push us towards a sustainable transportation. To get everybody to make better cars and make right. but electric I mean, if they cars. can capture like 85% of the market right. with four models. Yeah, that's unlikely though, right? That would be boring on some <laughs> levels to be 
You know, in L.A., it's bad enough. And we're in a little bit of a bubble in Los Angeles. We see so many S's and so many X's, and we see them all the time. You can't go one day without seeing a bunch of them. But if you go out, I was in Oregon recently. I did not see any in Oregon. I saw one in Seattle. You didn't see any Teslas. Any Teslas, right. I, I didn't see any Teslas in Oregon, and I saw, I'm sure they're there. So, like, let's not freak out, people. I know if you're in Oregon that you have Teslas. They exist. And I only saw one X in Seattle, and it was actually somebody driving through Pike's Market and he had a bubble wand and he was like shooting bubbles out the window as he was driving by. It was a day after mm. Christmas. It was very festive. The next and final letter comes from Duke Lamb and it's a question on EAP and insurance. Yeah. I guess his Model 3 costs a whole ton of money to insure, which I that caught me as very disappointing. So he's asking about insurance covers for Model 3 specifically with enhanced autopilot. Yeah, does he, do you get a discount? Right. So I recently, I don't know the answer to that question, but I'm going to give you sort of an idea of what's going on with me personally right now. Will my insurance be cheaper with it than without it? I don't know. And what if you crash your car and the car is a total loss? Does the insurance company factor in the cost of the EAP that you paid? So that's actually an interesting question, right? To replace the car is one amount of money, but to replace that additional $5,000. So that's something I will definitely have to bring up with my insurance agent when the Model 3 is insured. Now, my wife went to the insurance company on Friday and talked to them about this, and they need to see the car before they can insure it completely. It is currently covered, mm -hmm. but it's sort of covered in that interim way that cars are covered. Right. And currently, it looks like our the Model S is about $3,396 a year. For comparison, my teenage daughter drives the Volt, and it's insured and it costs about $1,442 a year. The old Lexus ES300 is about $1,200 a year. And my GX470, about $1,500 a year. So considerably more to ensure the Model S, and that's without enhanced autopilot. She thinks the first quote kind of that she got from them was around $3,300 a year to ensure the Model 3 which is a considerable amount of money. So I am curious if they know about the enhanced autopilot. The first person, when Mel called about his Model 3, it wasn't even in the system, like when they do the drop-down menu. Right. Like, that car doesn't exist in the system, so it still needs to go through the underwriting process. Interesting. Well, so we'll see. That's it, Robert. That's the end of the letters. That's the end of the show. It's Sunday night at this point. Very, very late. It has been a long day. I'm not quite as imbibed as I thought we might be at the beginning of this show, but that's good. I think we gave a lot of good information. Are you talking about alcohol imbibed? Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah, alcohol imbibed. I'm empty. Yeah, you're done. You're finished. You're. Oh, uh, my God. You've got most of your I drink. I know. I know, Robert. But you I'm, live nearby. I'm trying to keep the whole situation moving forward so we can not have this show be two hours. Lo and behold, it's uh, the show's close to two freaking hours. This is ridiculous, this length of this show, but there's so much information out there. So much and, good and, stuff to talk and, about. Uh, and we, you know, we just are very, very passionate about this stuff. So we'll try, you know, their Model 3. We'll try to keep it short. We'll try to continue to update it. Please continue to send our letters. All right. So that's it for talk, Talking talking Tesla talking 120. Tesla. We are out of here. We will see you next week. 121. Going to be an amazing show. Hopefully, the Model 3 will be back and we can give you more and more information on that. Please send your letters. Thanks to the patrons. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you to the Patreon people. 
don't forget to use our referral codes. There's no way anybody's still listening to the show, but in case you are, it's Laney9300. That gives you free supercharging. And Robert, what's yours? Robert3177. Yeah, let's do it. I'd like a power wall. I would like you to have a power wall. I would like you to have a free roadster so we can all ride in it. And don't forget to go to iTunes and give us a rating. That would be awesome. Rate us. So iTunes, rate us. Follow us on the Twitter. YouTube. Watch Mel. Most of the Mel you're going to get is going to be on the YouTube. That's right. Most people seem to be the most positive about Mel on the YouTube. So, you know, he might be just eclipsing us after all. Yeah. It's a race. All about Mel. It's a race to the clicks. All right. Good night, everybody. Ciao. Talking Tesla is a production of Fully Boo Incorporated. Hosted by Mel Herbert, Tom Wilson, and Robert Rosenberg. Edited by Eliza Jane Barnes. And produced by CC Herbert and Mel Herbert. To support Talking Tesla, go to patreon.com forward slash Talking Tesla. To find our referral codes, go to talkingtesla.net forward slash about. And finally, if you love the show, go write us a review on iTunes.